Good morning. Happy birthday. It's the beginning of a great new year. You know, as I was watching those videos and hearing people's stories, and I watched it last night for the first time, and I just was sitting in my room, and I was just really emotional watching those stories, hearing those phrases from people. Because as I look out amongst us today, what I see is a whole bunch of people who this time last year were one way, and God has either changed you dramatically, either grown you significantly, or done something to bring you into community in a very profound way. And it's just so overwhelming. And I just think that in a moment, we're going to stand and we're going to just thank God for what He's done. We're going to thank Him again and again because He's done such great things. I was thinking about it and I was thinking, there are so many different roles in my life. There are so many different roles in your life. But there is no role greater or more satisfying than changing somebody's life. Because when you change their life, when you change their soul, when you invite them to church and they encounter Jesus, when Jesus becomes the Lord of their life, and when He becomes the leader of their life, everything changes so much and so profoundly. That is the greatest joy that can ever happen. I was thinking about it the other day. I was you know, doing so many different things. And then I had the opportunity to pour into somebody's life on a spiritual basis and see their life come alive and kind of see that, that dead flower come to life. And I walked away and I thought, there is nothing that compares. Nothing that compares with what Jesus does to a life and how that life and its, uh, you know, um, attached family and friends is affected forever. And so I just want us, could we do this? Because we said right at the beginning of last year when we had our first service that Jesus would be uplifted in this place, that He is the center, that the Bible is our guide, and Jesus is the one that we look to. He is our all in all. We're not religious people coming to church. We're followers of Jesus. We're people that believe that the Word of God is for us today. We believe that Jesus is the answer to every problem and every trouble and every issue of life. And so could we on our first birthday, all the thanks goes to Him. All the honor goes to Him. So come on, let's stand to our feet. And for 15 seconds, let's thank Jesus for loving us and leading us this year. Come on, we thank you, Lord. Come on, big clap. Woo! Lord, we love you today. We thank you. We honor you. We honor you. We honor you. We honor you. Never forget, never forget, never forget that when you seek Him first, all those other things are added to your life. And today is a great reminder of all that. So grab your seats. And we're at the beginning of a new year. So it's awesome to celebrate our first anniversary at the beginning of a new year and also at the beginning of a brand new series. And as I've been praying and thinking about what does God want to speak into our heart in the month of January? It became very clear to me, and I, and I didn't know Ryan was going to pick that song which talked about Jesus' words when he said to an impoverished, to an anxious, to a challenged group of people, he said to them, do not worry about tomorrow, but seek first my kingdom and his righteousness, God's righteousness, not your own good works, but his righteousness and all the other things that matter to you about life. He was talking about food and shelter and home and family 
He said, all those other things will be added to you if you put me first. And so welcome to the first series and the first week of the first series talking about putting him first in 2023. And I want to talk to you about that today. And, you know, this Thursday, just gone, was my birthday. And so, uh, uh, you know, thank you for all the gifts and all the presents that you sent. And uh, no, it was my birthday. And I remember waking up, I remember getting to the end of Wednesday. And I've been working on some projects. I don't know if you've ever experienced this, but I've been working on some projects. And I wanted them done by Wednesday. Now, these are things that have gone on for ages. These are big things. These are things that matter to the future of the church, all this other stuff. And I was hoping by Wednesday night before my birthday, it would all be done. Truth is, last Saturday night being New Year's Eve, I was hoping it would all be done by then. And the truth is, if, it was, if I was honest, I was actually hoping it would all be done by Christmas Eve the week before. And if I'm really, really honest, I was hoping by Thanksgiving it would have all been done. And I got to Thursday morning and it had not been done. It had not finalized. It had not finished. It had not come to a completion. And I got up early in the morning on my birthday, as I normally do, and I just grabbed my cup of coffee and I just sat down in my favorite spot in the lounge and I just began to think about how frustrated I was. And I didn't want to be frustrated on my birthday. Who wants to be frustrated on your birthday? Who wants to be anxious on your birthday? You just want to have the best day. But I was entering that day frustrated, ticked off, a little bit angry, a little bit mad, a little bit anxious, a little bit unsure. And as I opened up my Bible to read today, the day's reading, it was these words by Jesus out of his great discourse, the greatest and longest sermon that we read in the Bible called the Sermon on the Mount which is a mountain in the north part of Galilee. It's uh, been renamed the Mount of Beatitudes. And Jesus said this verse, and we're going to kind of work backwards. He said, do not worry about tomorrow. And as I'm reading this verse, do not worry about tomorrow. I felt the Holy Spirit say, that's for you on your birthday, so stop it. And I did. I had a fantastic day because I stopped worrying about tomorrow because that's what I was worried about, tomorrow. So I knew we'd pick up the, the fight again the next day, the challenge the next day, the discussions the next day. And amazingly, would you believe, the next day, numbers of things that I had been frustratedly waiting on completion were completed because after I received that scripture, I got up and I started praying because before, just, just before that scripture, it says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all the other things that you're worried about will be added to you. So don't worry about tomorrow is how Jesus concludes. And so I got up and I began to pray. I thought, this is the year where I'm going to pray more. You know, some people might have made a resolution to go to the gym more and I'm going to go to the gym too, but I am going to pray more because when you get things right first, everything that second, third, and fourth are like dominoes that fall in their place. I don't know if any of you are like me, but when I get something, let's say right now I've got an August lock for Christmas, I look at the, the, what I consider to be the most important part, which is the doorknob, and I want to start there. I want to start where the action is. I want to start where the problem is. But if you know anything about, and this is why I'd never be a great tradesman, because I want to start with the finished part. 
But a tradesman knows there's a lot of preparation. You've got to go into, you know, uh, getting those things bolted in, drilling the holes. You've got to do all the things that are required for that thing to work. And when Jesus said, listen, stop looking at the end of the, the, the issue and, and, and focusing on the things that you're in, put things first, and then all those other things will just take care of themselves. He wasn't joking. He was serious. He was giving us the secret of life. And I want to talk to you today, first things first. And it says in verse 34, Therefore do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Today has enough trouble of its own. Now what's really interesting about this verse, while it spoke to me, it was also one of my life verses. It's 28 years ago, God rescued me from a very dark season of my soul, a very dark season of my life with this scripture. It's been these scriptures that have helped me overcome fear, anxiety, things that I struggled with, things that I was challenged by, things that my perfectionist nature and idealism are easily rattled by because things aren't perfect and things aren't always together. And God spoke to me in the midst of my dark, very, very dark hour out of these verses who by worrying can add one hour to his life? Wow, if I can't even add an hour, why am I worrying? He said, don't worry about tomorrow. But sandwiched between those verses, he says, seek me first. Put first things first and all the other things will fall into place. And so as I started to pray that morning, it was amazing because I started to pray with a renewed intensity because I understood that when I pray and when I put Him first, these other things would be taken care of. And it was amazing how good Friday was. It was amazing how good Friday was. What's amazing about Jesus when He, when he says these words is this famous Sermon on the Mount. He's on a mountainside, people from all around, from Syria, from Galilee, from Capernaum, from everywhere around, had heard that for the first time in hundreds of years, there was a miracle. None of the people that lived in occupied Palestine, where Israel was, had ever seen a miracle. Between the book of Malachi and the book of Matthew, it's known as the 400 silent years. God didn't move. There was no movement. So what happens when God doesn't move is people become religious or they become political. And that's why you find in the New Testament, Jesus is always battling against the religious people and the political people. Who are the political people? Well, there's the Sadducees, the people that are sad you see, the Sadducees and the Pharisees, right? The Pharisees and the Sadducees. One were religious, religious people and the other were political people. They were involved with the politics of the day. They couldn't find God. God wasn't moving in their world, so they turned to politics and religion. Think about how that happens in our world today. If I can't find an encounter with Jesus, I'm going to choose religion or politics or be part of trying to make things happen myself. And Jesus, these people had never seen a miracle. They'd heard about miracles when God had released them from Egypt as slaves, but they had never witnessed personally a miracle. But then they hear that this miracle worker, this, this who's this person, this carpenter from Nazareth, this man called Jesus, he's healing people, he's, he's, he's setting them free. And it, and it says in Matthew 4, 23, Jesus went throughout Galilee teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease. Everybody say, every disease. Every disease. 
every disease and sickness among the people. News about him spread all over Syria. And people brought to him who were, all, were ill with various diseases, those suffering acute pain, the demon-possessed, those having seizures and the paralyzed, and he healed them all. The large crowds that followed him came from Galilee, the Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, and beyond the Jordan. It's because nobody had ever seen a miracle. And as Jesus is talking, Jesus starts to turn his attention not just to their physical ailments, but to the physical needs of their life. And he says to them in chapter 6, he starts to address their anxieties and their stresses and their everyday stuff. And I want to address it the same way as Jesus did and come to the conclusions that Jesus came to today. I want us, if we could, could we just stand for a moment and read God's Word together out loud? I just think it's a good thing to always uh, honor God's Word. So I want us to read this together. You ready? Jesus speaking, therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food? Who of you by worrying can add a single hour to his life? And why do you worry about clothes? Keep coming if it's up there. Keep, why do you worry about clothes? Consider how the lilies of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his glory was adorned like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the furnace, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? I want you to notice that part, O you of little faith. We're going to come back to that in a moment. Let's read this together, verse 31. Therefore do not what saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear, for the Gentiles strive after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. Then he goes on to say, but seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things, all these economic things, all these things that matter, clothes, food, dwelling, business, all that stuff will be added to you. You can take your seats. He makes this profound Statement, short and length, but profound in meaning when he says, seek first, not second, not third, not if you can jam it in. Seek first the kingdom of God. Seek me first. Remember it says about Jesus, if we lift him up, he will draw all men to him. We're meant to exalt him. We're meant to make him number one. He doesn't want to be number two. I love how Americans think about the Olympics. If you get the silver medal, you're the first loser. There's only one winner, the gold medal winner. And Jesus, God does not want to be the silver medal in your life. He wants to be the gold medal. If you're watching online, I know hundreds of people are. Welcome to the service. God wants you this year to put Him first. Jesus says, I have a solution for you. I know how to make your life happy. I know how to make you full of stressless living. I know how to make you live blessed, not stressed. Put me first, first 
first. What's first in Brazil in Portuguese? There you go. What's first in Spanish? There we go. Come on. You guys are amazing. Pastor Jane's the language person. I'm just lucky enough to speak English, uh, or Australian at least. And uh, there you go. So verse 33, I want you to write this down as a verse for your year. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all. Everybody say all. All in every language means all. In the original Greek means all. Not four, not 12, all. These other things will be added unto you. And then he finishes with the same reminder. So therefore, do not worry about tomorrow. If you seek me first, don't worry about tomorrow because that's an act of faith when you choose not to worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will worry about itself. You know what happened to me on Thursday morning when I read this life scripture and I read God's remedy? is I stopped worrying and I started praying. And I started worshiping. Of course, there's praising, there's worshiping, and there's praying. We're going to talk about that in a moment. But see, I built my life on putting Jesus first most of the time. I've tried to make that a central focus of my life since I had a revelation that Jesus died for me. And if you love me that much, I owe you to put you first. I'm going to heaven because of you, Jesus. I have life eternal because of you, Jesus. I don't wake up in the morning with questions about life. What's life all about? Where am I going? What's happening? I am at peace in my heart. I'm at peace in the very soul and the deepest part of my being. I am at peace. Why? Because Jesus changed my life. And so I've tried to put him first. Jesus says, I don't want to be second. In fact, I want you to notice this, is that if you go back to the Old Testament, where God gave the Ten Commandments in Exodus chapter 20, you read them and read that the first four commandments out of the Ten Commandments are all about putting God first. I want to read to you a couple of those. It says this, you must not make for yourself an idol of any kind. Uh, you must... Not bow down to them or worship, for I, the Lord, your God, am a jealous God who will not tolerate your affection for any other gods. This is what he says in the Old Testament. First commandment. Second commandment. You must not misuse the name of your Lord, your God. The Lord will not let you go unpunished if you misuse his name. Again, he's setting himself up as number one. Goes on. Remember the Sabbath. Keep it holy. You have six days to work for your ordinary work. Set aside the seventh day. Make it holy. And that's a place to recreate, to commune with God. That's what we're doing today. He said, make it a priority. I love Chick-fil-A, the most profitable fast food company in America. More than all of them put together who shut on Sundays. It does tick me off when I drive home from church. I think, I'll go and get a Chick-fil-A. Oh, I can't. Then I remember, that's right, it's a good thing. Look at how Chick-fil-A have done it, everybody. You want to look at for an example in business? Closed on Sundays, beat everybody else. How incredible is that? I'm like, come on, this is America leading the way. And that's why he tells us he wants to be first. The first 40% of the Ten Commandments are about him. The next 60% are about our neighbors. That's why Jesus said the commandments can be summed up by two things. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Because all 10 of those commandments are summed up in those two statements. 
God first, people second, me third. Oh, I don't like that. The goal of first, and what's the goal? I want to talk to you about what the goal of first is, because I believe in giving practical answers. If you're going to put God first, why and how do you do it? So we're going to talk a little bit about that this morning before we go and party and eat and have a great time celebrating. We're going to talk a little bit about that. Jesus talked about our faith. The most important reason for putting God first is so that your faith will be impenetrable, incontrovertible, unassailable, so strong that no wind of life, no tragedy of life, nothing can knock you off what you believe. People ask me when my mum was dying of cancer, is this going to change the way you preach? I said, it is. I'm going to preach more about healing and more about God's supernatural provision and more about miracles than I did before. Right? What's it, what's it do? Because my faith is in the mighty God. God has sovereignty, and I don't know why my mum went to heaven so early, but what I know is this. He's the healer. He's the one who reveals. He's the one that restores, and I'm going to speak about His name. So the goal of everything, remember, I want you to understand this, the goal of everything is not to get to heaven. We'd all just end up in heaven because in John 17, 3, it says this, this is eternal life. This is Jesus speaking. This is eternal life that you may know me. That word know is the Greek word genosko. It's a progressive, deeper knowledge of who he is putting him first, relationship with him. He said, so all that happens is when we die, because we already have eternal life, we just change address. It's not like the goal is heaven. I have eternal life with Jesus, and I just go to live at a different address when I die. How awesome is that? Rather than the goal is, quick, I'm going to get to heaven somehow. No, knowing Jesus is eternal life. That's really, really powerful. And faith is the secret to it all. And I want to dive into this uh, as quickly as we can because faith is the secret to everything. Jesus commented on their faith. But before we do that, uh, I want Tommy. Where's Tommy? Is Tommy here? Tommy was one of the singers today. Tommy, come on up. You're going to be my volunteer. I haven't asked him. He doesn't know anything about this. And so uh, I'm going to ask him to do something because I know he's a great man. So I want you to stand on the front there where you just, you can shake my hand. There we go. Come and stand over here. And what I want you to do is I want you just to lift your hands up, okay, like this, like facing them. I want you to lift your hands up, Tommy, and you've got to keep your hands up for the rest of the service. All right? So I want you to watch. If you feel like you need to help, whatever, but he's got to keep his hands up. This is the goal of this service, that he keeps his hand up. So if you have to shout out encouragement, you do whatever you need to do, but Tommy must keep his hands up. Right. The pastor says so. All right. The secret to everything is faith. Jesus commented on their faith. Where is your faith? Why do you have such little faith? Jesus commented on people's faith. He said, wow, how great is your faith? Wow, that will be done to you according to your faith. He says, faith is the answer. No miracles can happen without faith. Faith is the secret. Faith is the currency. You cannot traverse this world and have supernatural experiences where God provides for you supernaturally without faith. People can't get healed without faith. Things can't change without faith. You can't get saved without faith. 
Make sense? Got to believe, right? Great is your faith, says Jesus. Jesus says, I haven't seen faith like this anywhere. Your request is granted. Paul writes and he says, take up the shield of what? Faith. So in other words, your faith is your shield. Your faith protects you from when the enemy tries to fire stuff at you. Your faith is meant to be like a Roman shield that covers the whole body. That makes you impenetrable. See, so many people don't pull up their shield of faith, so they've got the armor of God on, but they get wounded. You know the saddest thing to watch is, over 35 years, is to watch wounded Christians. Most Christians are wounded, and here's why. You will get wounded if you don't hold up your shield of faith because when your shield is down, you can get hit. So the shield of faith is so important. Faith is the critical part of everything. But here's what I want you to understand, that the key to faith is prayer. Keep on encouraging him. Come on, help him keep his hands up. So come on, that's it. Tommy, you're doing a good job, man. This is like a workout on the first week of the year. Here we go. And, oh my goodness. All right, so faith is the secret. Fair enough. All right, fair enough. Fair enough. Some people need help. So the key, now I want you to understand this. If faith is the goal, okay, I can't see miracles. Remember the heroes in the Hebrews 11? They opened the Red Sea by faith. By faith, they broke into Jericho. By faith. They built the ark by faith. And it goes through and tells all these extraordinary deeds. The secret to your life is a life of faith. Without faith, you're just ordinary. Without faith, you're just relying on your intellect. Without faith, you're just relying on your hard work that can just burn you out. But with faith, you can believe for the impossible, the absolute ridiculous, the things that people say can't happen, will happen by faith. That's how faith works. What happens is this. We call into being the things that aren't were as if they were, and we declare over those things. God wants you to grow in their faith. Put up your hand if you want to grow in faith this year. Come on. If you want to be a person of great faith, right? Okay, the first level of faith is getting saved. That's great. But let's go on from there and become people, men and women, mothers and fathers, young people, leaders, business people, workers of great faith. All right? Faith is the key. But I want to tell you something that we don't understand. We don't understand that the direct link between faith and its ability to grow is prayer. Now, we think of prayer as I'm talking to God because I have a relationship with God, and that's true. So I'm going to give you the second most important reasons to pray. And the second most important reason to pray is for faith. First is because I love God and I've got a relationship with Him. But the second one is faith. And the key to faith is prayer. You cannot believe for the impossible without touching the invisible. The impossible is decided in the invisible. The impossible is touched in the invisible. The impossible is possible when I leave the visible, enter the invisible through prayer, and I do that through my prayer and my fasting. It's one of the reasons why we have 14 days of prayer starting today. If you missed the 9 o'clock session, come tomorrow morning at 7 a.m. Be with us. Make it 14 days of putting God, your, your faith life, as a priority full of prayer so that you can hit the year. It's not the only time we're going to pray during the year, but you know what I'm saying? We start off with a strong burst because otherwise we're just 
All we're doing is carrying the stuff from last year over into this year, but with a bit of a pep because it was January the 1st. Whereas I don't want a little bit of a pep because of January 1st. I want to be using January 1st as the line in the sand that says, this year I'm going to be a man of great faith. I'm going to believe God for, and I've seen so many amazing things. This building, if you're new to our church, we bought this building before we started a service. Think about that. Selah, ridiculous. That's the impossible God we serve, who allows us to do things that you can't do. This is like a bee, this building. It shouldn't be able to fly, but it does. And God's been very kind to us, and we're the recipients of it. This is our building. We own this. And it was a miracle that caused that to happen. So imagine in your life if God could do those things for you. He does, and He wants to, and you've seen them. But imagine if you could get more. Imagine if you saw one miracle last year. It was your wife. She got you know, better, or, or things changed. It was your husband. He changed. Imagine if this year you go for 10. I believe for 10 miracles this year. But I want to tell you, if you want to see 10 miracles, you're going to have to pray a little bit harder. Because the direct link to miracles is prayer. And I'm going to show you. James 5.16 says, The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous person has a profound effect. Notice those two words, effectual. It's not just mumbo-jumbo. It's not mumbling my prayer and going through my Kroger shopping list. It's about prayer that knows how to touch God. That's why the prayer meetings are important, and here's why. Because we teach you how to pray. We teach you how to, to, to ascend in that place of faith. So come along tomorrow morning, 7 a.m. I'm going to be here. Many of us are going to be here. It's going to be a great start to the year. And I want to show you this. How's Tommy going? Seems to be more relaxed than he was a few minutes ago. Got some help. Now let's see how long Nancy can keep her hands up. Okay. Now let's take you to the Last Supper, right? Let's go to the Last Supper. Do you remember what Jesus said to Peter? Jesus said to Peter, he said, I have prayed that your faith would not fail. And everyone's now looking at Tommy. Look over here for a second. I have prayed that your faith, I want you to listen to what Jesus prayed for Peter. I have prayed that your faith would not fail. Not your character, not your other things, but your faith would not pray fail. I have dedicated myself, said Jesus, to praying so that your faith may not fail. Now follow me because only a few verses later, they move out of the Last Supper room and they go to the Garden of Gethsemane. And in the Garden of Gethsemane, everything Jesus told Peter, which is I'm going to pray that your faith doesn't fail, he now says to him, would you please pray? along with his other disciples, would you now pray? We know the story, and this is why you never pray at nighttime unless you're in a crisis. Because they were praying at nighttime, Jesus came back, and Peter, along with all the rest, had fallen asleep. He said, get up. I want you to know I don't want your faith to fail. He said, no, he didn't say that. He said, what did he say? He said, I want you to pray that you are not led into temptation. What temptation was he talking about? Was a scantily clad woman going to walk past him and suddenly in the garden he was going to be confronted by his lust problems? He wasn't saying that. 
what he was saying was this, you're going to be tempted to deny me. You're going to be tempted not to believe that I am the answers of the world that you've seen up to now. You're going to be tempted to back off. You're going to be tempted not to follow through. You're going to be tempted to give up. You're going to be tempted to go back to fishing, which is what Peter did. And when Peter failed to pray, his faith fell. So when he came to a situation that demanded his faith, he had no faith because his faith had not been fueled by prayer. I love my car, but I have to stop at the gas station and refill it, or it's just a lump of metal. It will fail at some point if I don't refill it every night with Jane's Tesla. We have to charge it, because as good as it is and as nice as it is, it is useless without any electricity, right? Without any battery power. And as much as powerful, as awesome as faith is, it goes away, it dissipates, it shrinks, it, rec it reclines, and then we become faithless. We give in to the moments. We're not able to withstand the heat. We can't make it to the end. This is a pivotal moment in Jesus' life. He's about to die for all of mankind. And what's the focus? The focus is on this, this guy called Peter who's run away, denied Christ, sworn his head off about Jesus. I don't know that guy and cussed those people out. And where does he go back? He goes back to fishing. He just regresses back to his old life. Because when you don't have faith, where do you go? Back to your old life. You are in your old life without faith. The direct link between faith and powerful faith is prayer. And so we need to pray. And that night, Peter didn't pray. And later that night, as Jesus had predicted, he lost his faith. So can I say to you, 14 days of prayer starts today. Tomorrow's number two. Join us tomorrow. Let's, as a church, imagine if everybody in this room dedicated themselves to praying. When we pray together, it's so much easier than praying for, by yourself because you can be directed and have moments where you do it yourself. But all together, we're helping. We're encouraging one another. We're going to be here tomorrow at 7 a.m. in this room, and we're going to pray. We're going to pray. And on Thursday night, we're going to have a worship night. Uh, this was an encounter night where we're going to take our prayer and just have worship. And so if you couldn't make it in the morning, come on Thursday night. And uh, if you couldn't make it all the mornings, come on Thursday night and be part of that encounter experience. Why? We need our faith pumped up. We need an injection of new faith for a new year. How many know God's got good things ahead? Or do you think it's going to be like Groundhog Day? Here's the options, Groundhog Day or a brand new day. Same as last year, round and round and round and round and round and round, whoop, yep, yeah, round, 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 whoop, yep, up, down, down, or up the mountain. I don't know about you, but I'm going up the mountain. I don't know about you, but I'm going over the top. I don't know about you, but I'm breaking some things. I'm sick and tired of these things that have not resolved yet. I am going to pray till God gives me a miracle or at least shows me a side of the sky. You're wasting your time. Either way, we're going to find an answer. We're going to find an end. And I'm sorry if I'm too passionate today, but I, when you get to the faith and prayer, I am passionate about those things. The reason I pray, let me tell you one of the reasons why I pray. Sometimes I pray because I love Jesus so much I want to pray. That's about half the time. Just being real honest. The pastor's being real honest. 
Not many pastors that are real honest. Sometimes I don't want to pray. Sometimes it's not like, oh, I just love Jesus. Let's just have a sweet by and by. It's just like chewing concrete. But you know why I pray? Is I don't want my faith to fail. I have too many things happening in my family, too many things happening in, my, in the church, too many things happening for the future for my faith to fail because without that faith, I'm not going to see the supernatural take place because faith is the key to the supernatural and prayer is the secret to fueling my faith so I can believe for the supernatural. Here's what I've discovered. People who pray, and I'm not talking about God bless this food. People who pray, who know how to pray, who now intercede are people of faith. People who lack faith, lack prayer. They are just joined the hip. They are Siamese twins. Prayer and faith go together. So make a decision to pray this year. Come on, church, imagine. That's why we have prayer meetings every week, twice a week, by the way, ongoing. Wednesday mornings and Sunday mornings at 9 a.m. We pray for 45 minutes on Sunday mornings. Imagine if you came Church would be better for you at 10 o'clock after 45 minutes of praying than just coming in at 10. Imagine how awesome it would be if we started here, we didn't start here and kind of work our way up. It'd be incredible. How's Tommy going? Oh, okay, some smarter people over there. There we go. Okay. You ready? I'm going to give you in, a, in, a, in sentence form. You ready? In sentence form, I'm going to give you the next six, the next six points, and we're going to be finished in the next seven minutes. You ready? Number one, prayer increases your spiritual authority and confidence. We think it's our prayer that makes things happen. What happens when we pray is we get so filled with faith, we go into things and we declare they're going to happen. Right? They're doing taking turns. It's like Starlink 13. In and out. Okay, so prayer increases your spiritual authority and confidence. Who would like to be able to walk into a room with such faith you're able to speak into a situation and things change? Spiritual authority. They noted Jesus taught like the Pharisees, but as a man with authority. What does God want to put on your life? Authority. Imagine when you speak, people listen. Imagine when you speak, your kids listen. You know you've really transcended faith realms when your kids listen. And they go, whoa, okay, mom, yeah, dad, all right, chill out, I will do it. That comes when you've got great faith and authority. The, th the next thing is faith, prayer tunes your ears to hear God's voice. We've heard that many times. Another one that we don't talk about is that prayer subdues your old life. Those old, that old man, that old woman that's supposed to have died when Jesus came into our lives seems to always seem to rise from the dead. Comes back. If I haven't prayed for three days, amazing. I look out and there he is. The old man's coming back. All those bad attitudes, all those bad responses come back. Prayer keeps the old man dead. Right? Now, figure it, you know, positionally he's already dead. But you understand, really in our lives, he comes to life again. And suddenly you find yourself, if you're angry all the time, if you're anxious all the time, you're not praying. That's part of it. I'm not saying it's the whole solution, but it's part of it. Okay? Prayer brings the power of calm and peace. Jesus said, or he said, I will keep him in perfect peace. Jesus said, in the Old Testament, it says, I will keep him in perfect peace, him or her whose mind has stayed on me. 
Here's the other thing I want you to understand, is that the victory and the length of the fight, other than God's sovereignty, which is about, I'm just going to put a number there just for the sake of the number, 20% of the time. 20% of the time, God's decided it's not going to happen that way. 80% of the time, God says, I invite you to fight for it in faith to be my examples on the earth. So therefore, the length of the fight is in our hands. And we come now to Tommy to talk about that story that we all know from the Old Testament in Exodus chapter 17 about Moses. When Joshua is down fighting the Amalekites and Moses goes to the top of the hill and starts to raise his hands. And if you know the story, it says this in Exodus 17, 11, As long as Moses held up his hands, Israel prevailed. But when he lowered them, Amalekites prevailed. When Moses' hands grew heavy, they took a stone and put it under him and he sat on it. Then Aaron and Hur held his hands up, one on each side, so his hands remained steady until the sun went down. Here's the deal. When Tommy was starting to waver, I could feel the anointing start to leave the room. No, I'm only joking. And as he put his hands back up, I was like, whoa, power's back. Now, not true, but in this story, as it's told us in the Old Testament, as Moses lifted his hands, it's a sign of prayer. It says, men everywhere lift their hands in prayer and reverence. As Moses lifts his hands to pray, the battle in the valley starts to go the way of Israel. When he drops his hands, the battle goes the way of the opposition. And this is how it works in our business deals. This is how it works in our families. When you're praying, the battle starts to go the way it should. When you stop praying, the battle goes the way it shouldn't. Because God has put the length of the battle into your hands. So if you want five years of battles, don't pray much. This is all my pastoral nature here. I want you to pray. Why? I had a revelation on my birthday. You're not praying enough, Ashley. That's why these things just keep on, keeping on, keeping on. I said, you're not BP. We're not just keeping on, keeping on here. You need to win. But every time, Ashley, you get tired by life and drop your hands, you start to lose ground. And when I heard that, still small voice of the Holy Spirit saying to me, win your ground this year. Win those things this year. It got me fired up. I'm like, yes. There are things that I'm sick and tired of just, uh, you know, fighting through and backwards and forwards. And it feels like we're playing ping pong, right? It just feels like we're just hitting the ball back and back. Anyone else? Am I the only person here like that? Does anyone else feel like some things. You get a victory and then you get a loss and then you get a victory and then you get a loss and wow, it's all going to break through and then it doesn't. The deal's going to come through and then it doesn't. The kids are going to be better and then they're not. My husband's going to be kinder and then he isn't. My wife's already perfect so I don't know how to pray for her but the point is I'm going to win somebody over today. I don't want to keep on going playing ping pong for 2023. 
I say, Lord, let it be in 23. I'm going after this stuff, and I'm going to pray till those things are done. I'm going to pray till those things are broken. I'm going to pray till the victory's been achieved. So I'm finishing right now. If you're here today, and there are battles in your life that you want to actually get victory over this year, whatever it is, it doesn't matter. I want us just to close our eyes for a moment. And I want you to tell me just in a moment with the raising of your hands, if that's you, because I want to pray for you today. I want to pray that God comes into your life. So if you've got stuff that just seems to be like you're spinning your wheels, like you get a win and then you get a loss and then you get half a win and then you get half a loss and there will be other areas that, are, that have been great, but there are some areas that just keep on, keep on being the challenge and you want them to finish. You want to win the fight. You want to overcome. If you have something like that in your life, would you just put your hand up right now? Say, I've got that in my life. Yeah. So I'm going to tell you, being at church on Sunday so you can be encouraged and praying are the first things you need to make a decision on today. And I'm going to pray for you with your hands raised that this year, as we pray, our faith would grow, our authority would grow, and then boom, those things will be complete. Father, in the name of Jesus, I speak over every person with their hand raised, every person that's going through stuff that they want to be completed and to finish now we understand the link between prayer and faith. We commit ourselves to prayer so that we might win. We commit ourselves to seeking your face so that we might win in those areas of life. So Lord, like you said to the crowd, don't worry because I'm with you. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all the other things will happen. We ask it in Jesus' mighty and powerful name. And everybody said,